So when you were little, did you have an imagination box? Imagination room? Somewhere you would go and just pretend and create? I know, I did. And I just freaking love doing it to this day. I have my imagination room, or I'll call it my creative room, place I just love to go. And as much as possible, I love hanging out with kids. Their imagination is just off the charts. My next guest, not only is she an awesome sauce businesswoman, friend, entrepreneur, just extraordinaire, but her latest adventure as co-founder of Go Kid Go podcast, I am so on board with. You got it, baby. I mean, their whole mission is to reach kids 6 to 12, although it's getting younger and older, and really just explode their imagination. And I love the fact that it's all audio. That's right, which allows the imagination just to go even crazier. And they want to reach all kids, all kids, no matter where they live, what their background is, and feel as if they can relate to the show. You go, Jennifer Clary. I know you're going to love this. I know it's going to inspire you. I know you're going to want to listen to Go Kid Go podcast. I listen to it too. And as always, I appreciate you listening, sharing, liking, rating, and supporting us on Patreon. Toodles! This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Oh my goodness, my let's keep it real people. What a week, what a week. Thank you so much for all your responses. I know I told you about my next guest and so she has some fun questions here about your kids. Matter of fact, I think I she said to me just earlier, if you're having trouble with your kids, just send them to her house. You know, she'd be happy to watch them. But before you do that, let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer. Jennifer Clary is a serial entrepreneur. She was a co-founder of the Baby Box Company, which supported more than 2 million families woo-hoo, with infant supplies and parenting education before its acquisition in 2019. Prior to that, she founded, oh my God, I thought it said Global Green. It's Gobble Green. Love it. The first nationwide plant-based meal delivery service in the USA. Genkev Productions, a media service company. She's been busy woman, busy. Currently, she is a co-founder, which is how I found her, and the COO of Go Kid Go, the audio imagination company for kids. Oh, I love that. The audio imagination company for kids. Jennifer now splits time between Los Angeles, California, and the UK. She is a Vassar graduate and has two amazing children, oh, Lyric and Jack, along with a her... Oh, I knew you were close to my heart. I've heard of rescue animals. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I'm going to start off right with it. If you were going to say one word to best describe your past 30 days, what would it be, Jen? Exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, well, you know, I ask a lot of people, and it's been good, bad, and ugly, but no one said exhausting. So I want to know why exhausting. Tell us more. I have my tea here. I think uh, I know you have your tea, Sandy. No, I am. Um, <laughs> no, it's 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 been exhausting in a really positive way. So I don't know how many of your listeners will a have kids and b have been involved in startup businesses, but um, you know, one or the other of those already is a twelve-hour-a-day job minimum, right? And um, yeah. and combining the two of those has been. Just a crazy roller coaster experience. Uh, you know, we started Go Kid Go during the pandemic, and it, it launched officially on May third. Uh, so the last thirty days for me have been a steep learning curve uh, as we scale up our audience and uh, drive them to listen to this content that we've created in anticipation of of their engagement, which is exciting and fun, but. It's it's a lot of work, um, and coming from you know ed tech and, and moving into the podcasting industry, uh, you know there's just there's a lot of uh, exciting opportunities in this space, mm. but it's also very niche, as I know that you yeah. know. So yeah. it's it's been fun. It's been great. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about what is your piece of the company. What is my piece of the company? So Yeah, like what does the day look like for you? Yeah, so well, I'll tell you a little bit about how it came to be and then I think you'll understand what my role is, right? So basically my manager is in Los Angeles. In my past lives, one of the things I've done is direct films. Um, I know you mentioned my production company, Genkev Productions, and yeah. you know, I I had manager I had film managers because my first feature was called The Silent Thief and it was, you know, sold to HBO and did pretty decently on the festival circuit. So I got representation and for years and years and years after that I got sort of sucked into the to the startup world and Silicon Valley and tech. And so I, I sort of strayed from that. But my manager stood by my side and they're always looking for opportunities and introductions that they think I would enjoy. Mm. And um, during the pandemic, I just mentioned to them, I said, you know, I was feeling a little bit isolated because I was in between companies. And it was like the first time that I'd never done anything, um, you know, professionally and gosh, I don't know, 15 years without a, without a break. Right. And um, so they said, well, look, I don't know. I don't know what it is you're looking for, but we have met this fantastic woman, Maya Glickman, who's just a total hustling producer in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, uh. And we would just love to introduce you because we think you guys have like a similar work ethic and value system and are looking for similar type projects to sink your teeth into. So I met Maya over Zoom and she said, look, I have this crazy idea. Just bear with me. And she looped in a guy named Patrick Carmen who is a New York Times bestselling children's author. And the three of us sat on a Zoom call for several hours and just <laughs> fell in love with one another. Oh, and we said, we said, look, you know, you know, my background is in, in business and my demographic has been, you know, pretty consistently the, the family space, right? Dealing with children and parents. Pat has toured over 2,500 schools in his capacity as an author and writes predominantly for kids, mm. you know, between the age of five and 12. And Maya has a really broad-based, um, you know, film executive uh, experience. So she's worked with Nickelodeon and all of these types of outfits. So we said, look, you know, the podcasting industry is, is so interesting right now for children because, well, there's obviously a great, you know, deal of, you know, non-narrative content that's really excellent, like wow in the world and things like that. Um, there seems to be a dearth of material that is narrative-based for children. Yeah. And, you know, me as a parent, I was telling, you know, Patrick, he was saying, you know, how much he missed touring. I said, I'm really worried 
about, you know, a lot of my friends' kids, and I'm so grateful that my kids are, are a little bit young to be impacted by this, because if you look at the data around how the pandemic has impacted children's reading, um, it's really detrimental, you know? Yeah. And and I said, this company will be fun and entertaining. And, you know, yes, the kids will love it. And it'll sound like Nickelodeon if we move forward or Pixar for your ears. Um, but equally importantly, uh, there's been a lot of research that correlates podcast listening to improved reading skills and reading comprehension in children. I said, so launching this now feels like like a like the right thing to do. Um, and so we all really got behind the mission and just started working like crazy. So like we started talking about the company in December and then come January, we were all working full time on it. So we did the Oof. whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah. So, so my role in the company is obviously having heard about my founders now, you know, Patrick is the sort of creative driver. Mm -hmm. He writes the content. Um, and Maya is the creative executive, right? So she sources the talent and deals with the agencies and SAG and all of that. Um, and I, I sort of, you know, steer the business. So um, I do a lot of the the less exciting stuff, but it's been really fun to to work with the two of them. And I certainly have say in the content and I'm really proud of everything that we've achieved to date. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. I don't think your stuff is less exciting because, you know, you were telling me about, I still remember this, Jennifer, that you were talking to me about raising venture capital. Yeah. And you made it like, yeah, it's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sort of have to have that attitude about it, don't you? I mean- you, I don't you know. know. You were just so like pippy skippy and like, yep, you know, raise money and let the. I thought, whoa, I want her in my quarter. <laughs> well, there's an art. There's an art to you know raising capital. There's an art to business, and I think what it all starts with is really you know believing in what you're selling. Yeah. Uh, so you know, for I think the three of us, it was kind of a bizarre experience to raise capital uh, in the middle of a pandemic because obviously usually you would go and you would sit with investors and you know go to lunch and have an in-person meeting and and doing it all over Zoom has been uh, you know a bit odd <laughs> yeah, yes. to say the least. But um, it wasn't. I found that it wasn't less expedient and um, it, you know in a weird way I think. We were offering a solution that maybe packed more punch because of the nature of, you know, circumstance, what was happening in the world. So we have great investors. Um, you know, one of the things I've learned through the years with bringing people into your team, uh, you know, for, for venture purposes is that, you know, your seed investors are a marriage. They're with you through the entire development of your business, whether you, you know, swim or you sink. And um, so finding really strategic investors is is something that I I made a priority. So everyone that's come into our round brings, you know, a depth of knowledge uh, that we can tap as we expand our business, which I think is really exciting. And and so far, I have to say, it's been um, just an absolute delight. So yeah, no, it's been great. Yeah, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, most of them maybe not raising tons of money, but you know, like solo entrepreneurs or smaller businesses, the one thing they will tell you is yes, you have to have done your homework, but it's the confidence and the belief in your product. And I could hear it in your voice. Like you were like, the world needs this. <laughs> well, the world does need this. And I think if you, I mean, you also have to ask yourself, if you don't believe in what you're trying to raise capital for, why the heck are you doing it? I, I, I mean, it's just, you know, there are so many, there's so many, when you think about how to make a living, right? Like mm -hmm. there, there's a million things that you could do that are easier than, than being at a startup, 
you know, it's, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's true. long hours. You know, I think that people have this sort of, you know, you know glamorized idea of Social what it is media to, type, yeah, yeah. to be self-employed. You know, I'm definitely not like hitting ball, like hitting Bali in my bikini and like working two hours a day. Like, you know, I, I, I work my tail <laughs> off until like three or four in the morning because I'm, yeah. you know, juggling kids and, you know, I have, and I'm fortunate to have like a nanny, like it's complicated. And, yeah. you know, especially working from home, like it's, it adds another layer of, of, um, you know, challenge, which is great. Again, if you believe in it, but if you don't, I mean, you would have to just sort of look in the mirror and say like, am I, I don't know, am I a masochist? Like, I don't know why you would do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Someone convinced you, you felt guilty. I have no clue, you know? Yeah, exactly. I had this young man and I don't know, you know, he wanted to ask you this, but this is a tough one because he said he owned his own business and it was great when he raised money for the business. But now he is a consultant slash speaker and he doesn't have the same confidence to ask for money. Like I'm charging two fifty an hour. Yeah, you know, you know what? Like that's a that's a mindset thing, and I, I just I would like to say to him that I suffer from the exact same thing. So I would love to have like a wealth of of advice on this, but it's it's really interesting. Like, you know, I've I've always you know simultaneous to to being involved in businesses, I've um, always created projects. You know, like I've written scripts and I write music and I do all of these creative things, and I've always you know, been in awe of people who can go out and sell themselves and raise capital to support, you know, those types of projects, because I just I'm not as good at it. And I, I don't know why it is. And I think that, I mean, I would just say that, you know, if if you know what you're talking about from a consultant standpoint, and you have mm-hmm. a service that's viable to offer, there is a market for it. You know, and I think that you can take comfort in that when you go out to to like quote people on your hourly rates and things like that. Um, actually, I just met somebody who shall remain nameless the other day who um, consults, you know, podcasting companies because I've been oh. picking everybody's brain. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I almost fell through the floor um, when she gave me her quote. But, um, you know, to her immense credit, you know, I, I really entertained it because she was so confident in herself, you know, yeah. and she really sold it. And I really believed that she knew what she was talking about, um, you know, and we might even do a, a trial period with her. I just think that, you know, it's hard. It's hard to get out of your own head and see your value, I think, sometimes. But at the end of the day, every human being has a unique perspective and a gift that they can share. And yeah. at this stage of the game, it sounds like he knows what that gift is for him. Uh, yep. So I I would go for it, you know? And another thing to remember is you can always uh, go out with your rate and then if you aren't converting to clients, you can have some discount room then, you know? You can say yeah. first month, you know, get 15% off my services while you realize yeah. that you can't live without me, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about positioning. This, you remind me of this young lady. She said she her boss wanted her to charge 500 an hour and she was like, holy moly, that's a lot of money. But she practiced it in the the mirror. Yeah. Yep. I'm $500 an hour and my company's worth it. I'm five. She just like yeah. kept saying it. Fake it till she made it, she said. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what you, that's what you do, you know? And the thing about it is once you get a few clients at that rate, uh, it's amazing how it will snowball. Isn't that true? You just need one, you know? Exactly. You, need that one you just big need to client. tip one. Okay. Let's go right into this next one. Big one. This young lady goes, how can you find the right venture capitalist for you? What's the secret sauce? Please ask Jennifer. What's the secret sauce? Um, 
Well, uh, you know, sometimes I, 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 I got into this in a weird way. So I was really fortunate to have in my last business, um, I asked my friend network, which doesn't seem like the most prudent thing necessarily to do, depending on who you know. Yes. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Like when you go to family and friends, I find, and I've talked to other entrepreneurs who have found this, you know, you could go out trying to raise like, you know, $10,000 with like family and friends. Somebody will always know someone. Um, so that's a really great place to start for new entrepreneurs because those personal um, those personal introductions, I find, convert uh, probably more easily than just a, just a blind reach out. So I would start there. And then, you know, the, again, this might may or may not uh, pass muster, but I've always found LinkedIn to be great. I, I don't know if I'm just like a really good LinkedIner, uh, but, uh, but <laughs> Probably. You know, I, I, I hear horror stories about it. But, you know, there's a lot of information about funds that you can find on sources like Crunchbase and, and you can read about funds that have crossover. So like, let's say you have a business idea and you go to Crunchbase, right? And you look mm -hmm. up companies that are similar to yours or that you feel like might have investors who would have similar interests to yours, right? Um, you can see like who put what into the seed and series A rounds. And then you can find the fund, um, the people who work at that fund on LinkedIn. So you can cross-reference and reach out to them directly knowing that they have an interest already in your niche um, so that you aren't kind of doing a broad-based outreach because, you know, I think probably the biggest waste of time, right, is if you have like a tech company and you start reaching out to investors who exclusively invest in like, you know, medical or if you need a seed investor yeah, and you're reaching yeah, yeah. out to a fund that does only Series C, it's sort of like just, you know, throwing your time down the toilet. So I, I think get super focused about it. But yeah, I mean, I, I would use Crunchbase and LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah, I love LinkedIn too. I, I yeah. really do. I've had great success with it. It's so much fun. It All is. right, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. I know you told us a little bit about Go Kid Go, but what is your vision? Like, I know it says audio imagination company. You thought it was a great time because it did increase the kids' reading skills. What What is your mission in the next year with it? Right. So our 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 mission in the next year is to bring our audience to scale candidly. I mean, I think we have tremendous content. You know, our production team is full of Emmy award-winning producers. Uh, we have, you know, New York Times bestselling authors. Uh, you know, Patrick obviously is one, my co-founder, but we also work with R.L. Stein. I mean, we have some really hard, heavy, you know, hitters in the content department. So our content is, is, is world-class. Um, what we would like to do is, you know, is focus on how we can use our content to really be an impactful resource for families. So in addition to just providing entertainment, which by the way, is a really valuable thing to do nowadays. I mean, I, yes. I, I have I have two kids, like let's not underestimate that. Like if I can find something to entertain <laughs> yes. them for 15 minutes, that doesn't involve me or Peppa Pig. Like it's a massive win, right? So I 100% <laughs> agree. Yeah. So like, you know, let's not minimize that. So yes, we are an entertainment company, but we're also thinking about it in terms of, you know, like brain development. So mm -hmm. like if you go to our website, gokidgo.com, you'll see that for every episode that we make live, we provide free bonus content in the form of downloadable exercises that kids can do while they listen or that they can do after they listen to promote deeper engagement. So for example, you can listen to an episode of Bobby Wonder as a kid, and then your mother can print out a coloring sheet from the Bobby Wonder episode that you can color. So that's another activity, right? That's also providing deeper engagement for the content. And there's a discussion guide 
um, booklet that the parent can print out or the educator can print out and ask the kid, you know, specific questions about what they just listened to, to ensure that they are comprehending the material. Um, And so in this way, it's like, it's entertainment, but it's also one with educational benefit. Yes. Um, And we know this, right? Like, you know, narrative podcasts, they've been shown to engage children's brains in much the same way as reading books. So it's a well-researched correlation. Um, More young people who listen to podcasts enjoy reading. I think it's like, I mean, I do this all day. It's like 48% compared to 41% about. And more of them read daily. So kids who listen to podcasts, uh, about 30% of them will read daily compared to about, you know, 26, 27% of their peers who do not. Um, These are just facts, you know. So if we can get more children engaged with our podcast material, which I think is best in class in terms of narrative offerings, um, then the idea would be that we start, you know, seeing more kids getting excited about reading. And I can't speak for everyone, obviously, on the team when I say this, but like I was a huge, you know, bookworm growing up. I I, I used to love going to the library and it just sort of breaks my heart now (laughs) when I talk to my friends and they're like, well, like my kids have never even been in a library. Like it's just so not a part of our our lives because of all the screen time. So, you know, I I would say I'm not I'm not a purist, you know. I'm I'm a parent and I I I get that it's very hard to say, okay, my kids are going to have no screen time. But when you can find an activity that has, you know, real benefits for your kid that they enjoy, right? That you're not like pulling their teeth out to participate in and which is also good for them. Um I think that's what our company is about and um, you know, I'm I'm really excited to to see it come to life, and I'm I'm excited to see parents already writing in, you know, expressing how much their kids are are Ugh. really enjoying it. It's it's been a blast. Yeah. Well, is it isn't it for six to eleven years old? Is that right? Is that your age group? Yeah. So we target six to eleven, but it's it's funny. Like we've had kids like between four and and thirteen so far right in. So I guess there's a little bit of latitude in either direction. But you know, yeah. we we we've had hilarious things. Like I mean, Bobby Wonder. That podcast is actually set in a in a fictional town, but the fictional town is called Pflugerville. And for anyone who's from Texas, you probably know there is a town called Pflugerville in Texas. And so we have like a massive number of fans in, in Pflugerville. And actually, like, uh, you know, Bobby Wonder, he can fly and he has all these battles above the town. So now we have all these letters from kids saying, oh, I was looking for Bobby Wonder in the sky last night. <laughs> you know, when's he going to when's he going to be back? And, and oh you know, it's, it's, it's so it's so great because that's what that's what you want. Right. Like that's the difference between, I think, audio entertainment for kids and screen entertainment is that, yes. you know, for every kid who's imagining that they haven't just watched it. They don't have somebody else's visualization concept placed into their brain you know bobby wonder looks different for each of those kids and and the way that he flies is different for each of those kids and i think that that's that's the crux of the difference for me by the way i was on go kids go before this before we met (laughs) and i okay i listened to it i like it you know i was out in my garden and i find it fun and entertainable so i can see how parents would listen along with their kids too at times. Yeah, know? a lot a lot of them do and and you know that that's the other thing. Like once you're a parent, like I don't feel like people who I feel like people who don't have have kids yet probably can't relate to this, but like there's so much children's content out there that's just like it's sort of like being slowly tortured, right? Like you can get through like a few episodes of it and then you're just like, oh my God, I'm so done. Like this is so yeah, annoying. Yeah, I have to hear and, this again. And then, and, and and again. then of course, like the other thing is like kids, they binge listen, right? So like if you're an adult and you listen to a podcast and you're like, that was fabulous. 
I, I have never listened to a podcast twice. Like, I don't care how good it is. Like, I'm not going to immediately start the whole thing over again. No. Like, like kids, if they like an episode or something, they'll listen to it like 20 times. And if you're stuck <laughs> co-listening to that, like, you slowly lose your mind, right? Like, it's it's yeah. just like the worst thing ever. What's great about our podcast, I think, is that they are so, you know, there's there's stuff in them that also hits home for for parents you know so like you can be driving with your kid in the car and listening to a go kid go podcast like bobby wonder or lucy wow and maybe there's a joke that we lay in there every once in a while that sort of goes over you know your six-year-old's head but lands with you and it's it's a bit funny and i think it it shows empathy on the parts of the creator for for every member of the family and it also just makes it easier of course to to start those conversations with your children because if you've engaged in, in listening to the content then you you have the questions the right questions on the tip of your tongue to ask and and drive that deeper engagement so i think there's a lot of positives yeah well i was just out with my friend and it's her grandkids and she's like sandy it's such a shame they were so active. They were outside in the playground. They want to stay for an hour. They read. And then since COVID, they've just developed habits that, you know, she feels don't serve them so well in that it's so much screen time. It's so many games. So she started shifting them to kid podcast. Yeah. And yeah. just to get them out of that mode. And she, she was telling me because she knew what I was up to. And she's like, it really made a huge difference. Yeah, you know, it does. Make she a didn't huge take difference. away. She was trying to replace it. You know. No, and you know it's a huge problem. Like, like one of our investors came into the round actually because he was saying that you know he has a has a son, and his son you know falls into our demographic, our age demographic. And when he used to go to school, like so, like before COVID, he would like stick one of those kid Fitbits on his kid, you know, and the and the kid would get like you know seventeen thousand steps a day just by going to school, right, and and being engaged mm. in everything. But during during the pandemic, obviously, he didn't do that, you know, barely did like 3000 steps a day. And he ended up putting on 15 pounds, you yeah, know, which is yeah. really material at that age. And, um, you know, the dad was like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so worried about him starting school back up again, because all the other kids might, you know, make make fun of him or whatever, or have all of these stigmas. And he said he showed up and he was shocked because literally every one of the kids had had weight gain and health issues that had arisen um, over the course of the past, you know, year and year and a half. Um, and so, you know, I think what's great about podcasts and, and actually is, is a boon for podcasts versus reading on, a, on occasion is that you can listen to something and do something else at the same time. Um, you know, so whether it's like you're listening to it and you're dancing to the theme music or you're listening to a podcast and you're playing with your Legos or you're listening to a podcast yeah. and stretching, um, you know, it's I, I think there's a lot to be said for it as as a part of a healthy life. And, you know, it's not novel, is it? I mean, you know, the, the, I'm I'm getting married this weekend and my my partner is is, you know, a bit older than me. And he was saying that, you know, when he was a kid, you know, that that was your entertainment uh, you know like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. no every, everyone listened to the radio and and it's so bizarre to him that kids don't listen to the radio nowadays and that radio is sort of like not even thought about like on like the top list of 10 things that a kid might do to entertain themselves but you know podcasts are gaining traction and i i see yeah. it as a really positive tr you know trend for for children you know mentally emotionally and physically well, I'm so glad the rest of the world caught up with me, Jennifer, because I've been hosting podcasts for seven years and my friends used to make fun of me like your husband to be saying, oh, what is this, an old Jack Benny radio show? I'm <laughs> like, are you laughing now? <laughs> no. And you know what? Podcasts aren't that, are they? Because, no. you know, people are really, you know, like, I, I mean, I really encourage people to listen to our shows because 
it really is like Pixar for your ears. I mean, the, the quality of the production Ugh, is so high. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's why I think we're getting kids to come along for the ride because, you know, there's a lot of noise for us to compete with nowadays. And the fact that we are, you know, effectively converting children to an auditory medium is, yeah. is really exciting. Well, not to toot your own horn, but I'm going to toot it more for you <laughs> because I I have listened to a lot of kid podcasts um, because of writing my journal book too, and also producing a podcast, which you know about. And so many of them was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm just check, like, there's hot, you know what I mean? And then I came across yours. Yours was recommended too. And I'm telling you, I must have listened, Jennifer, to 150 different type of kids podcasts. And I'm like, wait a minute. And so my producer goes, what makes it so different? I go, it's everything. The content's great. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's educational. But beyond that, the voices, the character, their noises, it's just mind-blowing how much time and energy you guys must have put into it. Every single one, it's like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And then I love the, the difference. I don't know how you do it, but your <laughs> sounds are way better than most people. Well, we're, and you know, it's an interactive website. Yeah, well, oh. I mean, it's important. You know, the thing about kids... And I think the reason that maybe this has been like a slow vertical to scale in the podcasting space is that people think that they're easy. They're an easy audience, right? Like, I think that a lot of it, it's, it's not that it's lazy production, but it's just that people think that the production quality is less significant because they're a younger audience. But, yes. you know, I think that what's great about the Go Kid Go team is that we, we really value our listeners' time. Like, I, I want every kid who listens to my show to feel like that was a great use of of my time. Like I really enjoyed that. Like I, mm. I got something out of it. So I think, I think Pat does a, a really terrific job with our whole creative team. And, you know, the, just ev everyone who's contributed on that end is, is terrific. And the, and the actors, I mean, you know, we have, you know, we, we really, <laughs> we've really made an effort. I mean, like we have like Danny Pudi from Community, you know, Voices, Bobby Wonder. We have Kat McNamara from Shadowhunters. We have, you know, uh, Ariel Winter from Modern Family, Richard Kind, yeah. you know, Mark Evan Jacobs. You know, we, we, we have all these massive actors, right? Yes. Who have come to be a part of this, you know, on a, on a very low budget for them because it's mission driven. Like they all care deeply that children enjoy these stories that they're a part of and they're immersed in them and are, and are feeling like they, you know, are reaping the benefits. So I, I, I think it's just really exciting. And it's been such a positive work environment, which is exciting to find, particularly when you consider the fact that none of us have, have met in person. <laughs> oh, you have it? No, no, <gasps> I've never met think Michael. Of that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm living in England. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. And Maya is based in Los Angeles and Pat lives in Walla Walla, Washington. So like, it's just so funny. Like we just got this professional connection um, back, you know, back over the holidays in December and just on a fluke, uh, got together, you know, it was like a immediate love affair and decided to create something beautiful that we cared about. And um, that's why it's just been such a magical, magical six months for me, because um, I think it's I think it's really rare when you find the right combination of, of personalities and, and skill sets. Oh, I agree. I agree. OK, so why the UK? Why'd you move? Well, I moved because, um, you know, my last business had been acquired and I had a daughter and, you know, candidly, I went through a divorce <laughs> um, okay. and I wanted a change of scenery. And my best friend, um, you know, is a, is a guy who has been living in the UK and we'd been pen pals for a long time. And I thought, 
you know, life is short. I'm going to give this a go. So, um, you know, I was familiar with the UK. We'd had an office over here for my last business. And I I used to have a house that was about, you know, 10 miles from where I'm currently residing. And I, uh, I decided I'd come out here with my daughter. You know, there's a lot of land. It's a lot less busy than, um, Los Angeles. And so we came, she loved it. Um, he became more than a best friend. And so we, ended up having a son together. And Wait now, a minute. Is this who you're marrying? <laughs> and this is who I'm marrying. Yeah. And we, <gasps> we probably would have gotten married before the son. But, you know, with the pandemic, we decided, oh, it's a big pain and, <laughs> you know, whatever. So anyway, we're a little bit of an traditional family unit, but we are making everything official uh, this weekend in Gibraltar. And, um, you know, that's why I'm over here. So I... This Wait is my, a minute. This that's is now a my... whole nother podcast. <laughs> your, your pen pal? I mean, yeah. come on. Well, I met him because his his nephew was the lead actor in the film that I directed in 2012, and that okay. premiered and that had its premiere in Rome, in Rome, Italy. And uh, I flew out there, and he's half Italian and half British, and he met me there to Oof. support his nephew, and we became we became friends. friends. So it's funny, yeah, it's funny how all these relationships in my life um, are sort of forged without being around somebody physically isn't it it's it's interesting when you actually step back and consider how you how you forge meaningful connections with other people i just think it's amazing that you moved over there for our pen pal and then fell in love getting oh my god that's such a romantic story you gotta seize the day you gotta seize the day you know if you don't if you don't try you don't know well, I, uh, definitely your first tip of don't let a fear of failure prevent you from starting something. I yeah. Mean, that was a huge leap to go to California. I'm like, okay, I'm going yeah. to the UK. Well, okay. yeah, you know what? It's it's fine. I, and I'm also somebody for whom I think the world feels pretty small. Like, I, you know, with my last company, I think I was on like four or five flights a month at a minimum, and they were mostly international. So, um, like, I don't I, – I, I think geography is something that probably doesn't, uh, like – make my head yeah. spin as much as some other people. But yeah, it's it's been fun. And it's obviously a huge culture, cultural difference to, to you know, reset your life in a new country. And it's a little bit depressing because I feel like my kids will have these like really beautiful accents and I obviously won't. But that's okay. I'm getting over it. <laughs> they do have great accents. <laughs> Both Italians. I know. You, you can't go wrong. I'm definitely like the least you know, the least couth person in the house, but that's, that's okay. I, it's fine. It's fine. That's okay. All right. I need to know because it says a herd of rescue animals. <laughs> yeah. What are they? Yeah. So, um, I, well, I had a whole bunch. I had six at one point in Los Angeles, but now unfortunately a bunch of them passed away. So now I have my two little LA street mutts. Um, one is named Stella and one is named Coco. And prior to them, I had a German Shepherd and a Pitbull. Uh, my Pitbull was named Ava, and my German Shepherd was named Imelda, and I adored them. Um, but they passed away a couple years ago. Um, I have a cat who's 17 named Smeagol. My partner <laughs> has a cat named Tom. <laughs> and my daughter, for her birthday, has requested that we get two goldfish, um, and she wants to name them Fish and Fart. Oh, I like. Um, yeah, so fart. she's, I would say that's just so inspiring lyric. But um, anyway, she's really excited about it. So we're doing that. And so that's our, that's our Motley crew that we've got going on here. So it doesn't, does it matter to you? Are you more of a dog person or a cat person or it doesn't matter? Whatever. Oh, I feel so guilty saying this because I do love my cat, but I, I would have to say I'm more of a dog person. 
Yeah. Listen, it's okay, Jennifer. We have five cats right now and a dog because we adopted kittens, but I'm more of a dog person, but I yeah. love my cats. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. You know, you don't want to have yeah. favorites, but um, yeah. But yeah, yeah and my, I love them all yeah. because they're mine, <laughs> but I am like, I would have a herd of dogs in the house. Okay. This is a difficult one for me and I really need to dive into this one. I'm not good at the pivot quickly. I must admit. Yeah. So... I think I put this down as something to discuss. I don't know if it'll help anybody else, but I think historically, I mean, historically, I always find in in my businesses, and you know what, in my personal life too, sometimes deep down, you know, something isn't working. Yes. And you can even have data to support the fact that it's not working in business, or you could just, you know, know it in your personal life, right? And you hold on to it because you're so terrified of of making a change. And, you know, I... And, and it's bit me, it's bit me so many times. And if I had a time machine, I would just go back and, and smack myself. Because the, the reality is, is that once you know something's not working, time is everyone's most precious commodity. It's, you know, it's, it's in the best interest of your business. It's in the best interest of your personal life to make that change. And so I, I think for me, part of my new mantra over the past, you know, two years has been, if it ain't working, like cut it and pivot quickly. And, you know, we had that in Go Kid Go, like, there were some wonderful, you know, people that we'd brought onto the team from prior um, businesses, you know, all of us had. And we ended up realizing that, you know, while they're brilliant at what they do, you know, podcasting is such a niche <laughs> industry yeah. that they really didn't have the right, you know, the right contacts or the right experience to give us the lift that we needed for Go Kid Go. So, you know, I called a meeting with the founders and I said, look, you know, we might love these people, but, you know, we're responsible to our investors and, and more importantly to our audience, right? To deliver, you know, a high level and to really make this a success. Um, and I, and I don't want to drag this out. You know, I just, I want to, it's not working. The numbers show it's not working. We can do better. And we, we pivoted. And, you know, the other piece to remember in those situations, I think, is that the, the sooner that you do it, weirdly the easier it becomes because yes no one ever thanks you for holding on do they <laughs> you know the, <laughs> no. the, the longer you draw it out the more painful it is for everybody um yeah. so i think it's you know i think it's a really prudent thing to do and it's something that i know is incredibly difficult but you know as i've gotten older and been through a few things i think um it's probably probably one of the best bits of advice i could give anybody in any situation <laughs> no i agree and i think it, for me, when I'm saying I think I've held on to some businesses I had a little bit too long, it's because I let my emotions, I got personally attached to them. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And I look at them and if I could take it a step back, I would have been like, yeah, I should have done that a year earlier. Well, that's right. I mean, that's right. And, you know, and, and the thing about it is that it's never as bad as you imagine and it can be a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's important. Yeah. To know that. And I love the way I wrote that down that you said, and it makes it just feel so much more loving. We owe this to our investors and our audience. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. yeah. I think we do. So it's, it's you know, it's it's a hard thing to do, but I, I've found that, you know, there's something to be said for, for clearing house and, um, you know, and it's, it's just a really tough life lesson. And I know that, you know, people are going to hear us say this and probably discount it. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it, I hope that, you know, if nothing else comes of this chat that, you know, somebody internalizes that because, you know, there's so I many, agree. I, I mean, so much time you can save. And at the end of the day, I don't think anyone looks back and thinks, 
man, I'm so glad I tortured myself for those extra years. Like, I think it's, you know, I mean, I've, I've had to say goodbye to some things that I love and, you know, it, it was hard, but I'm so, so much better off for having done it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think big takeaway, big takeaway. Okay. So this is a huge one, especially I feel like for moms who are also running businesses, we try to do everything ourselves. It's hard for us to reach out and ask for help. I mean, I think it's incredibly hard to 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 do that as a mom. I mean, you know, as a parent, you always think like that no one can help with your kids because you know exactly what they need. Like, you know, like you can't cut their sandwiches that way. So I think on a personal level, there's a lot of like <laughs> weirdness. And, 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 you know, it's been hard for me as a working mom. Like, first of all, I'm inordinately fortunate because I, I have a wonderful nanny. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it, it was hard, you know, when I started working again with, with kids to, to get used to somebody else, you know, being around them. And I, yeah. I, I, so I understand that. And I think it can be, you know, hard with like grandma and grandpa and like having strong opinions. So I totally get that from like the parenting standpoint. And, you know, I think that that holds true in business as well, you know, and especially for people who are, you know, having a startup DNA, I think that we have this idea that like, okay, you know, at the outset, we're going to save money on everything because we're going to do everything ourselves. And it's, you know, going to be great. And that way we don't have to take venture capital, we don't have to take help. And, um, you know, <laughs> the the problem with that, I've found, and I think most people have found, my partner has found it in his, in his business as well, is that, you know, we're all human, right? There's 24 hours in the day. That's one part of it. So you just absolutely cannot sustain, you know, a 20 hour workday indefinitely. You, you will crash even if you think yeah. that you won't, you ultimately will. And the other piece of that is it doesn't really behoove your business because, you know, I mean, it's hard to tell other people this, but no one's the best at everything, right? Like I, I think when I first started doing <laughs> startups and in my early twenties, I like, I really believed I was the best at everything. But, you know, I've been knocked down a few notches because yeah. I'm older now yeah. and I've failed. And I think that, um, you know, I can, I, I fully appreciate that I'm not the best person for every job. So I think that when you're building out a business, you have to really think about the team and the foundation that you want to develop. And, and part of that sometimes is, is delegating or, or, or relinquishing some of that control. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you're collaborative, you can build something much more beautiful than any single person's able to envision. I agree. I agree. And I do agree with the bigger thing too that you said. It's more difficult as a mom. <laughs> yeah. Because... It is. It's wait, really you're hard. right. I and it's right. I'm like, wait a minute. My husband, like, he's so funny, he goes, You don't think I know how to make the peanut butter and jelly? It's a peanut butter and jelly. I'm like, no. <laughs> I remember saying it no, but it's true. Like you said, no, no, he likes it cut this way. <laughs> and he was like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, but I mean it's ridiculous. And you know, the other the other piece of that is like you can't be your best if you're, you know, exhausted and not taking care of yourself. Like, I mean, I think as a parent, like one of the most like irritating things that's happened to me in the last few months is that I was sleep training my youngest. So my son is nine months old and, um, you know, my daughter was like a dream. Like she, she always put herself to bed. Like my daughter wow. talks herself in at seven thirty, And like, if I wake her up before nine, she's like super angry at me. Um, so Wait, how old like, is your daughter? My my daughter's two. Like she's just oh. she's like some kind of elf. Like she's like magic. Like she just raises herself. Like she's great. That's like she's, so funny. She's independent. Like she she plays by herself. Like she's just a very independent kid. My son wow. thinks he's like like an, an appendage to my body, right? So like he has like <laughs> he has like all the issues she didn't have. Like massive separation anxiety. Hates going to bed. Like I'm just yeah. getting it in spades. Right? Like a normal kid. Like a normal kid. So <laughs> yeah. he. So I mean, this has been like you know mind blowing for me. But he. 
um you know my my partner my fiance i guess i should say he yeah. um yeah he was on my case because you know I, I would put jack to sleep and he would just scream and scream and scream and i would always go in and like like be like oh he's not gonna go to bed and like i would just stay up all night so i was like dying right because i was up all night with the baby and then my work hours in the uk because the rest of my team is in california as i usually work from about 2 p.m until about 7 p.m then yeah. I'm with my kids. I check them in and all that kind of jazz. And then I work again from about 10 p.m. until about 4 in the morning. So having the baby, right, who was getting up while I was trying to juggle work and then keeping me up until 7 or 8 in the morning again, <laughs> like I was slowly dying. So this is what I'm talking about. Like sometimes you have to listen to other people. Like I feel like I am a good mother, but like he was definitely the stronger parent. Like it has been much better since he enforced yeah. sleep training because it's better not just for me, but also for our son. Absolutely. All right, I got to get this one other question in because it's a big one. This young man wants to know, I hear pros and cons. Please ask Jennifer, what does she think about, you kind of touched on this, about taking money from family for my startup? I, (laughs) oh man. Well, I mean, I think it's a big one because I don't know your family, right? Like I think it really depends on the players involved. Um, (laughs) I, I think that everyone has a different, risk tolerance. And I think that the thing to know about investing in a startup is that a majority of them don't make it past three years, right? Like, yeah. mo- like if yeah. you can look it up, I can't remember what it is, but you can see how many companies, you know, die before their series A, how many die before their series B, how many die, like to get to be a like a sustainable, profitable business is very hard. And I think that, um, you know, I tend not to take I tend not to do well with family and friend rounds myself just because I know my family and friends have a low, lowish risk, risk tolerance. Um, okay. So gotcha. I, I always sort of cast my net wider. Um, but people who do have that tolerance and like you'll know if your family is one of these and, ha- and, and if you're transparent about the risk that they are taking, you know, it's a great opportunity for them. Um, yeah. It's a great opportunity because, you know um, – if it if it takes off, then obviously the return that they could realize, depending on how you value the round, um, you know, could be massive. So, look, I think um, I'd be happy to look at like your, you know, specific, you know, query. Like if you have a, a round that you're developing and you want to send questions via um, Sandy, I'm happy to take a look. Um, Aww, and, that's nice. And and you know, be helpful there. But I think it's really case specific. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I remember, Jennifer, I was so nervous about taking money for my first health club and I'm going to just do all my money, all my money. And two of my clients were like, no, we want to invest, you know, we'll be a limited partnership. But they, the money to them was a drop in the sand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't mean, they just wanted to help me. So I felt way more comfortable with that. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it sounds like those are the types of people, you know, people who have a lot of experience investing, they they come into it knowing the risks. And yeah. at such an early stage, they're not, they, I mean, they might be investing in the idea if they really believe in it, but but they're more likely investing in you. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, again, I just think it depends on their, their yeah. risk aptitude and all of that. But I mean, you know, I'm happy, you know, to take more specific questions on that front. I know it's a difficult, you know, wait, this question when you're first getting started, but, um, you know, it just, unfortunately, it isn't a, a clean cut answer. <laughs> Yeah, no, no way. All right, Jennifer, this has been so much fun, but we've got to wrap up. So I'm going to ask you some fun, rapid fire questions. Oh my God. Okay. They're easy peasy. All right, number one, favorite color? 
Yellow. Okay. Favorite food? Hummus. (laughs) Who the freak is that? The favorite food. That's so healthy. What would one of your favorite days look like? What would you do from morning to night if you could do anything? Go hiking. Oh. Anywhere specific? Yeah, right where I live now. West Sussex, UK. It's beautiful. Oh, how fortunate. (laughs) That sounds great. Okay, here you go. Big one. What has been the toughest thing for you in the last year and how did you overcome it? Oh, the toughest thing in the last year. I think the toughest thing in the last year for me, to be honest with you, was giving birth. Um, So Mm. my first daughter was via surrogate. Um, and I'd never thought that I could have a baby. And then when I got pregnant with my son, it was like a miracle. Um, wow. but I'm an, wow. you know, I'm an older mom and I think the, the physical strain of that, and then obviously getting right back to work afterwards and juggling, um, you know, two kids, 13 months apart was, um, you know, it was mm. a bit challenging. So I think that was probably yeah. the toughest, yeah. toughest hill to climb in the past year. I like that. All right. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be and why? Uh, one of my dogs, cause they're crazy spoiled. <laughs> True. True that. True that. Okay. I'm, I think I know the answer, but what is one of the hobbies that you really like doing in your spare time? I love the piano. Oh, I was going to say hiking. Piano. Yeah, piano. There you go. Okay. When I say the word universe, what does universe mean to you? Oh, what does universe mean to me? I think it means everything. Ooh, everything. Got it. Jennifer, how can they find you? How can they reach you? How can they find your Go Kids Go? Tell us everything. Okay. Please visit us at gokidgo.com and you can find our podcasts, Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, and R.L. Stein Story Club on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere that you find your podcasts. Cool beans. My let's keep it real people. Thank Jennifer Clary. Please rate, share, support on Patreon. We love you. And you know what I'm going to say? Thank you, Jennifer. And toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.